Hey there, and welcome to the Draft Pro Hockey YouTube channel. We're getting started with our second edition of the podcast here. I just wanted to let you know about some things before everything gets rolling here. Stats are updated as to the 22nd of November, because that's when we recorded this thing on Monday. So yeah, stats, some of them they have jumped up or down a little bit. We don't, I, don't, I can't tell you exactly all of them right now. We go through a lot of players. And then also another update. The 2022 NHL Draft Preview is now out digitally. You can get that on our website. There will be a link in the description to get it. It's $7.99 and we're also getting a physical copy up on Amazon. That's going to happen real soon. So if you want some good reading material for over the winter, I really recommend you get onto it. You know, we got our top 100. We got profiles on all of our top 100 players. Got some stories on Shane Wright. We got a Five Nations review. We got a Holinka Gretzky review with tons and tons and tons of reports on all your favorite prospects from the 2022 NHL Draft. Anyways, that's it. Let's get into the podcast. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Draft Pro Podcast. We're here with our second episode. It's going to be another great one here. We're bringing in the our second rankings pretty soon here. We got three of our beautiful, great, great scouts with us today. Uh, we're bringing on Jared again, our OHL aficionado. And head scout, we got Joseph Peters, who is doing our American stuff, USHL, NCAA, and then we got Miko Sorella, who's our new scout. He just joined us really recently, but he's covering Finland, Europe. He's helping out over there abroad. It's late over there for him. I'm pretty sure he was telling me it's 8 o'clock there right now, because we're, we're all across the globe here. I'm over here in Burnaby, British Columbia. We got Jared in Ontario. We got Joseph, I think, somewhere. We're just in Buffalo. Buffalo. Yep. Like the, the time zones are crazy. The time zones are crazy. The world is crazy. Burnaby, like BC's wild right now. I'm just gonna tell you that if you've seen anything in the news. I know Jared I have fam I have family out there in BC. I I I've seen pictures on the flooding and when it's done to the roads. Oh my god, I can't believe what's happening over there. It's crazy. I'm like technically I have to go home for the winter. Uh as of now I am stranded in the lower mainland. <laughs> I can't get out. Um, but uh, unfortunately, I'm not surprised to hear that. That's the sad thing. Like mm-hmm. it, it, the the flooding has just destroyed roads. My aunt out in BC, she's been working in Vancouver. She's in the same boat. Like she was, uh, um, ready to go home. I think like this week or next week, and she can't anymore. Mm-hmm. And if you want to tie, like, I'll tie this into a hockey story. If you ever saw anything on Twitter, the Fraser Valley Thunderbirds, a U18 AAA team, got stuck at a summer camp. They were stuck in a summer camp. They couldn't get out. They were probably at the summer camp for like five days until a helicopter had to come in and get them all out and bring them home. It was actually kind of crazy, but that's like that. If we're if we're gonna be talking about that's crazy. <laughs> if we're gonna be talking about BC, we may as well start with the WHL. I'm just gonna start it off like this. I already think. I think my sem- up to the semifinals in the playoffs, I've already got predicted. Cause, because of how the WHL is working right now, we only have the Western Conference playing against Western Conference teams and the Eastern Conference only playing against Eastern Conference teams. And just recently, the BC teams were just allowed to start going into the States. So for the first month and a bit, BC was just playing BC, US was just playing US. So there's a bit of like a, it's a bit mucky in the standings right now. But if I'm just going to give you like the top four, Kamloops is going to be playing Everett in the conference finals in the West. Winnipeg is going to be playing Edmonton in the in the conference finals in the East. I'm pretty sure the finals is probably going to be Winnipeg Kamloops, and like I I have 
full certainty in saying that. Like, because first off, Winnipeg, that's that team's that team's winning the Memorial Cup. I don't see how they can't. It would have to be at a, this point. Yeah, it has to. It would be a meltdown. Someone has to get hurt. Someone would have to get hurt. There'd have to be a major trade. Something would have to happen. That team right now has lost one game. It was lost by one goal to the Edmonton Oil Kings, which is a team that's already loaded as well. It's like they're crazy, and I'm I'm happy Savoy came back. He's just lighting up that league like crazy. I'm pretty sure he leads the league right now in points, 32. And then everyone else, even Connor Geeky. I know, like we had Geeky 33rd, and I'll I'll I'll, re- I'll reckon that was a little bit low. I still have my doubts. I would not say he's going to be a solidified top 10 guy, in my opinion. That that might be pretty rare from some people mm-hmm. to say. But there is an effort issue in his game that I see. I don't, like, remember how, like, we used to talk about how Kemmel used to try and do everything by himself? Yeah. And, like, there's, I just see a little bit of that in Geeky as well. And it doesn't, per se, impress me a lot, especially when you got so many good players around you. And, like, everyone is producing. That's the thing on this mm-hmm. team. Mikey Milne, 30 points. Pretty sure he leads the league in goals. Uh, he's a he's a draft plus one. I actually think that guy could get drafted this year just off of his tangibles he's showing right now. Uh, I, <laughs> Zach Benson, the 05. I don't think anyone expected this kid to be this good already. 22 points in 15 games. Uh, I think the one... Uh, he was hurt for a little bit. He's never lost. Whenever they have him, they've never lost. Because the one game they lost was without him. Um, <laughs> ben zlotty has got 23 points. Uh, Gage Alexander has been solid in the crease. Not that he's had to do much, but I think being drafted just helped him out a ton. Like, this team is just freakish. I think their power play is 40%. <laughs> I can't believe what this team is doing. Uh, just some... Cent? 40%. 40%. Maybe like 41%. Uh, I got some more stats. 106 goals for in 20 games. That leads the league. Kamloops is in second with 80. Video wow. game stuff right there. This this team is it's not fair. This is like it's like a hockey ultimate team. And like I remember like back when they drafted Savoy and Geeky first and second overall in that Bantam draft. I was saying, I was like, I really hope this team just pans out. I really hope this like I hope everyone sticks together because this team is gonna be lethal in around two to three years, and here it is. And I don't know if Savoy is going to be NHL ready right away. So this can be a team we see next year as well with a another year of experience. <laughs> I don't I don't want to know what this team is going to be capable of. This team can win the Memorial Cup now. This could be a dynasty in the making. Easily. At this point, at this point they have to be the uh number 1 ranked team, right? I mean, uh for the Memorial Cup, I would be surprised if they did not win the WHL championship at this point and uh, didn't go all the way. I mean, even, you know, rival what other teams are doing in the CHL, whether it's the QMJHL or OHL, I don't think there is a team that is quite matched up well enough for the Winnipeg Ice right now. I mean, what they're doing is historical. If they keep this up one one loss is unreal and like you said the production they're getting i mean a hundred goals for many games it just seems like you know that that's you know you're scoring five goals a game uh, or whatever the the actual equation is but it, it, it's that that's unreal and you know 
the the beauty of it is we have a ton of high quality prospects on that team that we can look at and that are draft eligible this year and draft eligible i mean like you said that one zachary benson kid he's eligible next year yep that zach benson's a freak i think that guy is like and i'm not going to get into a whole size argument but once again Mm -hmm. zach benson was that kid i'm pretty sure he was taken 14th in the bantam draft in 2020 simply because of size he had more points than Connor Bedard in the U15, like the CSSHL, which is like a hockey academy in BC. That's like the academy league. He he led the league in scoring, and he drops to 14. He drops to 14. Like it's yep. it, it's it's and it's just because he's like he's I think it was five seven at the time. I've said this before. You look at photos of that kid when he was 15. You would have thought he was nine. <laughs> yeah, his <laughs> profile picture on EliteProspects.com. Yeah. he looks so young yeah i remember and i remember when i first saw him you should see him you've, it's not there anymore but his photo last year or last season uh because they updated every season he still looked like he was 12 11 years old like right. i couldn't believe i was like you're not you can't be serious this kid's not playing this year right i saw i was like look he's gonna play one game they're gonna send him back to bc it'll all be <laughs> over and then he was there the whole the whole season i was like okay and then now, look at what he's doing now. I think this guy should be considered a top five prospect for 2023. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's it, it could be close. Like, and 2023 is <laughs> really, like, it's stacked. And if we're going to be yeah. talking about 2023 guys, Jagger, Bedard, just in the WHL already, uh, Jagger's just lighting it up, lighting up the show uh, over in Moose Jaw. Bedard, not as much, but we'll talk about that later. I want to back up some points. I want to back up some points there, but we're going to talk about some more 2022 guys, obviously, first. And obviously, um, if you're listening, if you're watching this, uh, I'm pretty sure as we release this podcast, we are going to be either, we're going to be releasing our rankings, I know that for sure, and I think in a week or so after that, a week or two, we're going to be releasing our 2022 draft preview, that'll be available on Amazon, that'll be available for digital download, and that is just jam-packed with our top 100 rankings. We got some stories from our, our writers. We're going to have a bunch of profiles as well. We'll yes. have full profiles written on all 100 ranked uh, um, prospects in our winter rankings. Um, so that'll be fun. Uh, I think there may be a little teaser um, into the under-18 Five Nations tournament that just wrapped up. Uh, mm-hmm. There'll be a little report Uh uh at the um inside the draft review magazine as well so um yeah i'm looking forward to uh releasing this for for everyone out there so they can have a nice holiday read exactly exactly just over the holidays there it's good i'm 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 excited to get back home honestly school is drained yeah i'm drained (laughs) at that point where it's just get me home i just want to watch some hockey do a bunch of reports, make some videos. It's going to be a fun time. But other guys I want to talk about quickly. Uh, there's If there's some guys that have creeped up in our ranks in the WHL, Denton Matejchuk, after a viewing of him, I think we had him ranked a bit We had him ranked a bit lower. And then I watched one game of his. I forget exactly which one it was. I think it was against Red Deer or something. I couldn't believe what this kid is capable of. He's everywhere. He's he's actually everywhere. Every time the puck's on his stick, he gets a jolt of energy. It's like he's got a pack of like smelling salts in his glove, and he's just <laughs> whenever he needs it, he's just he's there and he's going. Um, I'm not a huge Corsi guy. I'm not an advanced stats guy, 
but I've been mm-hmm. looking into it a little bit more lately. And I've just, I've been looking into the stats and Matejchuk has a Corsi, I think of like 62 or 63 for a 17 year old defenseman on a subpar team. That's pretty crazy. I think. I'm, Stat. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure that's nuts. Like he has a good D partner in Damon Hunt, but the amount of stuff mm-hmm. this kid can do. His shot is electric. I think he leads the league in defenseman goals as a 17-year-old. I think he's got six or seven goals. He's almost—he's either almost or just at a point per game. I don't have the stat off the top of my head, but he's a freak show. And then he's up there with other guys like Mats Lindgren. Mats Lindgren isn't as potent on the score sheet, but when it comes to just overall possession and transition, I think he's going to be one of the best defensemen in this draft. He's, he's close. I've seen a lot of him. And it's funny, I remember watching him as a 15-year-old make his debut at the Blazers in 2019, and he got pummeled. Like, you could tell he he was not ready to make that jump yet. It was just that, come in and just play your first game, we're down a roster, man. Uh, he got creamed by um, someone on Portland. I think it was Johnny Ludwig or something like that, who's a big, strong... He's a, he's a big, strong that kid. That would make sense. He's, yeah. a, he's a big, strong kid. And then Zane Franklin, who was our captain at the time, went in and pummeled him something that was that was a fun game but now it's funny just to see the progression because Matt's Lindgren it came it was at a point where this kid was so scared to have the puck on his stick and after that I was like oh that's not a good first impression Mm -hmm. of the WHL this kid has the puck glued to his stick throughout the entirety of the match like this kid is so clinical he has so much confidence his skating is in my opinion elite he's not the he's not a super fast guy but the amount, like the adjustments this kid can make on the blue line is crazy. It's it's absolutely insane. And I mean, he had an NHL, his dad played in the NHL. So I mean, <laughs> he's got the perfect coach for it already. Uh, yeah. Like, man, I, I, I love Mats Lindgren. And then there's another one. This is the shocker. I've been saying him on Twitter a lot for the last bit. And it's Braden Sherman on Victoria. He's not getting enough love because Victoria is sadly a dumpster fire this year. And the amount of stuff they had to go through in the first bit of the season, they had like seven or eight guys injured for weeks at a time. Like these were big injuries. They had to bring in guys like Anton McMasters from Winnipeg, who was a seventh, eighth D over there to play top two minutes. Uh, They had to call in a bunch of people. And then there was guys like Sebastian Ronischitz, who I was really high on because of that Austria performance in the world juniors last year. And like, I'm sorry, but he Ronischitz the bed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, he he got he got cut he got cut after two games it was not pretty I was kind of sad honestly but you could tell he just he wasn't ready for it uh, and then they were able to bring in Marcus Almquist though who's a lot of people who wasn't drafted last year because of his size but it's yeah. just interesting I'm happy he's made the jump over to North American hockey uh, I don't I haven't really tuned in I don't think he's scored or anything yet but at least, I think he got an assist or something the other night He's fitting in though. Guys are coming back into the lineup. Victoria's looking a lot more, a lot more reliable. A little bit more reliable. They're, I think they're still going to be around the bottom of the league for the most part of the season. But Sherman, this is a guy who has been playing 24 to 25 minutes a night as a 17-year-old center because everyone was hurt. They're running three lines. May I remind you? I once mm-hmm. saw one night their starting lineup, and there was three lines, four demon, and I think I said my beer league team is able to suit up more guys than that. 
Yeah, I saw. I remember that tweet. I saw that uh, you said that, and I was uh, gonna bring that up because I, I was gonna say, didn't they play like a game where they only had three lines that they could run and only uh, two pairs? Like to me, that is just ridiculous. Yeah. As uh, for a junior team, and, and you're playing major junior. This isn't like junior A, like the Brooks Bits or something like that. Like this is major junior. You get good crowds out there. And that's, I, I couldn't believe that. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely crazy. And this is why, the thing with Sherman, the beginning of the year, he was a lot more potent, obviously, a lot of energy and stuff like that. There was a couple games against the Blazers I watched. His speed is just phenomenal. I love, like, he times his runs so well, you'd think he'd be a soccer player, like, trying to time the offside runs. He's just, he's he blitzes you guys. He just blitzes you on the blue line. And I, I, did, and I didn't mind his defensive game either. Like, he was just good at getting his stick in lanes and just, you know, reading the play. But, and obviously, after I told everyone, start watching this kid after, like, eight games into the season, this is when the fatigue a little bit starts to set in because you're playing 25 minutes a night. Around mm. 60 to 70% of it is in your own end, chasing people around because you're bagged already. It's going to catch up to you. I don't care how young you are, how unfit you are. It happens to the best of them. Like, and, and, and you're playing against guys who have four lines every night. And they're playing in the offensive zone the whole night because they're in the BC division, and the BC division is, it's, it's, it's iffy, it's 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 iffy, especially with teams like Victoria. So I think Victoria is getting a little bit too much flack. Uh, I don't think they're by any means like a championship caliber team or a playoff caliber team, but they're not as bad as you think they are. The stats don't entirely say the whole story. So Sherman hasn't scored in a while, but even I was checking highlight reels over the last couple games and. Sherman always seems to find his way onto these highlight reels. He's getting unlucky. He's, I think he's hit a couple of posts. Like, I remember watching him against the Blazers. Just nicked, like, nicked Dylan Garan's glove, nicked the post, missed by an inch. Uh, and, then, and then you got guys who also, like, I'm sorry, because there's, there's only so many guys. A lot of these guys are call-ups who are, like, 16 years old who play on AAA teams in the area. They're not, they're not ready for major junior competition and and it shows like the finishing isn't there on the lines the chemistry isn't there like thank god he's got bailey peach who played in the queue last year with him like if he didn't have that that team would be in trouble but then like even like evan patrician who is their overager he was injured for the last month he just came back and then they just won because he scored a goal with 14 seconds left to put them over the giants like Braden sherman though He's going to be in our rankings. I'll tease that. That's as much as I'll say. That's as much as I'll say. I'm not going to tell you where, but I'm. I was. I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed by Braden Sherman, night in, night out with this guy. And then I'm just gonna. I'm gonna stop it here with the WHL because we're talking a lot about it. I'm gonna stop it with Bedard. People got to calm down. People got to <laughs> calm down about it. He's what is it now? I think it's 16 games into the season. He's got eight goals and five assists for 13 points. That's not what I thought. No one thought that would be the case. I don't think anyone did. That was, so like, honestly, yes, it is a bit astonishing. But am I concerned? No, I'm not concerned one bit. I've, I literally had a YouTube comment on my channel. I forget what video it was on. I think it was one about 2022, but this kid wanted to talk about 2023 for some reason. Um... He made his own rankings for the 2023 draft, and I couldn't believe what he did. He put Yager first, Mishkov second, 
uh, Fantilli third, uh, Dvorsky fourth. He had Bedard at like sixth because he's having a bad season. I couldn't even respond to it. I was like, well, not to uh, say anything bad about that, but or about that person, but that could be someone that's just valuing stats too much and not actually looking at their full game yeah. or the skill and potential they have. I mean, you know, like you said, there's nothing to like. People shouldn't worry about Bedard. You know, I'm looking at his stats right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing, you know, that people need to keep in mind, he's got 91 shots in 17 games. He yeah. ranked. WHL for shots on goal. Um, that I don't know what that shooting percentage is, but that's not going to hold up. That's really not. You know, like he's, he, you know, it's, he, he's getting clearly, he's probably getting good looks. He's just not burying them. And the biggest surprise to me when I look at his stats is he's got zero power play goals. Yes. So I don't, I don't know, you know, I haven't watched enough of Regina out there. So I don't know if their power play is just not deadly. It's not threatening. And that's probably a big reason because he only has three power play points on the season uh, out of 13 points, but zero power play goals, you would not expect. And you know, that's going to change. And he's got all of next year to do it next year. He could light up next year. He could put up 120 points and then we're, you know, no one, you know, this could be just, uh, you know, a, a tough year for him or, or something like that. But he still shows all of the the the, the skill set and the tools to be a generational talent. Yeah. I mean, the pressure on right. him is immense, too. The pressure is immense. And I'm going to tell you this. I, I, I'm going to end the video podcast here. So audio listeners, come over to the video if you want to see this. I, I've literally been compiling clips of close chances and just insane chances that he's been doing. There is this one against Moose Jaw. I think he had 10 shots in this game too and zero goals. And ten of the, like at least seven or eight of these shots are high quality chances. These aren't just flimsy wristers on net. I don't think I don't think a flimsy a flimsy shot is anything he has in his arsenal anyways. Every shot he takes is a bullet. <laughs> um yeah. it was a through the legs it was a through the leg shot coming down from the left side. And then just and then he got the puck behind him. It was kind of like it was kind of like the reverse of Matthew Tachuk's goal he scored the other day, kind of like that. And he nearly buried it. And at the speed he was pulling this off, I couldn't believe it. Like it, I was like, if he buried this, everyone would be no one would be talking about his stats being subpar or anything like that. Like it's just shocking. And you DSN know, right away. Yeah. Like and I'll be I'll be hundred percent honest. And I was gonna tell, tell you this about the power play thing: zero power play goals. There are some teams out there that it's like if you know if you ever if you know basketball if you, do you know what a boxing one is? Yeah, that's what the Toronto Raptors did to the Warriors back in 2019. They just literally threw a man on Curry, so Curry couldn't do anything. This is what teams are doing <laughs> on the penalty kill to Connor Bedard. I remember watching Prince Albert. This is in one of the first games of the year. They would just send out Ozzy Weisblatt or someone else. I forget exactly. And they just sit on Connor Bedard. They would just glue him. They don't don't even watch the play. It's like this. Hey Bedard, how you doing? Right up in his nose. He can't do anything. So- yeah, they were basically. I was watching a game. It was locally broadcast here where I'm in Buffalo, on CBC, and he was being shadowed the whole power play. So it was basically just a four on three and just take away Bedard. Mm-hmm. It was and it then- was crazy. It was it was like basically holding hands with the defenseman. Yeah, and and then like the whole the, and then the other thing that sucked about it too is like, it, it it ruins the whole team's plan. Right. Like, cause everyone else on that power play is like, 
well, we'll just get it to Connor. Connor will do it for us. And now you've taken him out of the equation. So now it's like, well, it's a four on three. It's technically better. But your whole plan is skewered. Uh-huh. It, it's skewered. And I was, I was, it, it bummed me out watching it. I remember I was on the phone call with my dad once because I, I love, I just, I just like talking about stats with him. He doesn't even really care about hockey that much. But I was like, <laughs> dad, you're not going to believe this. Like, it's like, because he's a big basketball guy. So I used that same analogy I was using earlier with him. And then he's just like, what is, like, he knows from his time watching hockey with me, he's like, no, that's not hockey. That's boring. And I'm yeah. just like, exactly. Like, this is this is just, this is a joke. And I th- it, it's not as, teams aren't doing it as hard. I've, been, I've at least seen Bedard touch the puck on the power play since. Uh, I think he's got three power play since, like you said, Jared. Something like yeah. that. But the stats are going to f- eventually follow through. Something's got to yeah. break. Regina, I think the chemistry's got to get going again together. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, honestly, it's just Riker, Evans, and Bedard right now. Svotsil's been okay, but he hasn't been anything magnificent. He's got holes in his game. The smaller ice is, I think, getting to him a little bit. Um, but then Tanner Howe, a 2024 eligible, he's got seven goals. There's a bright thing to look at for Regina, at least. But anyways, this is where I'm going to actually segue it now into the OHL, because the whole thing with Bedard, he, he has, he's having a slow start. That's what people were saying about Shane Wright over in the AHL with King, or AHL OHL with Kingston. He'll never play in the AHL, never. I'd be I'd be shocked. But he um, could right now, though. Oh, oh, he could <laughs> he could right now. <laughs> Probably play in the NHL right now. But anyways, he had that slow start. Jared, I know you got something to say about that. At least he's starting to tune it up right now. I think the the biggest thing it, it was really similar to Bedard with everyone talking about Shane Wright's slow start. Uh, the biggest was that he was maybe just a little slow out of the gate. He wasn't creating enough, but the chances were there. The shot totals there. I mean, the guy's a high volume shooter. His shot is, in my opinion, the most dangerous uh, weapon he has in his offensive toolkit. I mean. You know, he can set up the, the chances through skilled plays and seeing through uh, layers of coverage and, and sliding, a, you know, a soft pass underneath the triangle of, of the defender. Uh, but the biggest thing for me was, you know, he he was getting the chances. He just wasn't burying them. They, they just weren't in his way. So it was a lot like Dard where I wasn't worried about it. And the other thing about Shane Wright that I think, you know, people may need you know, some people may need to realize I've watched him since he was um, uh, his exceptional um, draft status uh, when he got um, into the OHL. Like I watched probably around 20 games when he played for the Don Mill Flyers um, because the kid the kid was must watch hockey. You know, he was a year younger than everyone playing with Brant Clark, Brennan Othman, Liam Arnsby on that uh, Don Mill Flyers team. Um and he was exceptional. He was their first line center. He was unreal. He was better than any, anyone else in the GTHL under 16 age group at that time. And, you know, he gets the exceptional status, goes first overall. You're thinking John Tavares. You're thinking Connor McDavid. That's the recent one that really comes to mind because I think he's the last one to get that in the OHL, the exceptional draft status. But. What Shane Wright does exceptionally well is the the two-way hockey IQ and his positioning and his ability to 
read plays without the puck to get pucks back from his uh to get pucks back for his team that's why so many people compare him to an Andre Kopitar or a Patrice Bergeron because this guy may you know not light it up in the NHL he may not go and put up 90 to 100 points you know he's not going to be a Leon Dreisaitl I don't think I don't think he's going to be a uh um Sidney Crosby, yeah. Connor McDavid, even an Austin Matthews. Like I, I don't think he's going to be a generational talent, but he's a franchise player that you build around, and he is going to. I, I would be surprised if he doesn't win a Selkie once in his career because he's so smart away from the puck. He can, you know, suffocate uh, the other team's top players, and I, I'm sure if you ask players that play against Shane Wright or have played against him, they would say he's not fun to play against in the in when we're in the attacking zone because he just knows where to position himself. And that's the biggest thing about his game. So a slow start, I, I would say, you know, it, it, it wasn't that big of a deal for me because the rest of his game is so polished, so refined that that's what really makes him the first overall and then at the end of the day like he's still probably going to put up 100 points this year in my opinion in the ohl oh yeah he's gonna i mean it'll be tough it's always tough to to play for the world juniors uh for team canada because of how stacked they are and obviously uh team canada for the world juniors is going to get mason mctavish back now um who knows if they'll get cole sillinger um that'll be a tough another one. guy i forget yeah so the the you know I've seen mock uh, mock lineups for Team Canada the World Juniors Shane Wright he could make the team but he may only be a fourth liner and I'll be excited to see how he plays in that role but I think he'd be fine because again his his IQ away from the play makes him a very effective player and that's what separates him from guys like McDavid and Tavares especially when they were in their exceptional status seasons especially McDavid McDavid's role was just get out there get the puck or we'll get the puck to you, bring it up and just yeah. by any means put it in the net. Right is well, just I, yeah. so and, and reliable. I don't, I don't want to sound like Tortorella here, <laughs> <laughs> but um, the, the biggest thing with McDavid is I, I've always been like his defensive game is not a strong point of no. It's not it's not an asset to McDavid, but who cares? This exactly. guy plays on rookie difficulty right. in the NHL. He's going to torch any team. Like he's going to have the occasional bad game, and you hope it doesn't happen in the playoffs, obviously. Mm-hmm. But you you look past all of the defensive mishap cues or whatever. You look past that because you know what he's going to do the next his next shift? He's going to do what he did against the Rangers in Winnipeg. He's going to go through three or four defensemen, deke them out, and score a highlight reel goal and, you know, his his team is energized. They're back in the game. So, yeah, that's that's the biggest difference between Wright and, and McDavid, where Wright is already you know, one of the best defensive centermans in the OHL right now. And I expect that to be a huge calling point to his NHL career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shane Wright, obviously number one in our draft rankings. Uh, that's that's not going to change. I don't think that's going to change. I literally think in one of our articles, or not articles, sorry, um, profiles, the only way he drops out of number one is if he decides to change sports. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I think that's accurate. Yeah. That. Yeah. You can obviously see that profile and much more in the 2022 draft preview magazine that's coming up pretty soon here. It's coming out in the next month. Pretty much after this podcast, our ranks are coming out too, just to remind you guys. 
as we move off of Shane Wright, obviously there, there are a lot of other guys in the OHL. All these other guys who are in their technically their rookie seasons because they didn't get to play last year. Jared, you probably got a list of those guys. There's guys like Bryce uh, McConnell Barker, uh, Pano Femis. For me, I always mess up his name. I think it's Greek, so I think it's <laughs> Femis. I I think. I I'm hope. not entirely sure how to actually say his name, but I think it is Femis. I think it's Femis. But there's there's guys like Panofimus. Ty Nelson is starting to really tear it up with North Bay. I'm happy that North Bay is at least actually at the top. They had a rough start, but now everything is just clicking. Uh, Brandon Coe is just going nuts. Can't believe what that guy's capable of. Big guy you can skate. But um, anyone else, anyone else there that's just been catching your eye that's like you think it like crack first round from the OHL? Yeah, uh, there, there's a couple of players. I'm just going to touch on that North Bay topic. I think, you know, one thing they matt v petrov is just torching <laughs> the ohl he's doing really good and i think he looks like a great pick for the edmonton oilers who took him in the sixth round last year i you know i was talking to um uh, a radio and a, a podcast host out in edmonton you know i talk to him frequently and we talk about the edmonton oilers prospect pool a lot and i told him i was like I think the Oilers got a steal in Petrov in the sixth round. Like, I think this guy could come in. He can play a top nine role in the NHL someday, give you some minutes on the power play, and that's up to North Bay right now. But four players that I think are going to creep into the first round in the OHL, I think you, you touched on a lot of them, Penno, uh, Femis, uh, Bryce McConnell, Barker, Danny Jilkin, Matthew Poitras, uh, Jorian Donovan. There's a list of OHL players and you know i'll tease the uh the the, the winter rankings or the <laughs> the fall rankings sorry it's not winter rankings because now we're getting into winter yeah. the fall rankings um we're are going to uh be released soon so you'll see where we slot in these ohl draft eligible players um but i think bryce mcconnell barker really has the potential to get up into that um first round and, and be drafted as a late first rounder because he's got good pro size that you know we know nhl teams love to see but he's also a rapid skater he's very fast he's got a quick first step um his stride is very much clean refined you know as he gets strong just gonna get more explosive and i like that um i really like his shot and his technique i think um the bot you know his body shape is routinely correct when he shoots he doesn't look off balance from mid to to far out so i think the biggest thing with mcconnell barker is just being more offensively consistent um he hustles a ton and he can be a guy who four checks and gets the puck back um and then probably i i have him as maybe the you know it's very tight between these players donovan mcconnell barker Femis, poitras but I really like Jorian Donovan. I really like what he can bring to the table as a s s very smooth skating two-way defenseman that brings a mean side. You know, he, he can play the body. I think he just needs to maybe uh, time his routes a little better or time his hits a little better. Um, but the, the biggest thing in his game, and I think it will be his, his calling card, you know, next year, um, when he is uh, probably the, the the leader for the Hamilton Bulldogs on the back end, and um, you know potentially the NHL is his transitional, his you know he's a breakout technician, 
um, because he can move the puck either using his feet or his hands, and that's such a good part to a you know that that's such a good thing to see in a young defenseman. I find if you know it's one thing if they can move the puck, you know, using their their passing skills or whatever, um, but if they can also utilize their feet to create separation through a check and have a controlled zone exit into the neutral zone that's a big you know thing i look for and donovan can do that i think you know he just has really high potential because of the ways he can impact the game um and i think he's got the potential to be a first rounder um but i think there's just some consistency right now i still think he's finding his footing into the ohl i think he's looking more and more comfortable as the games go on um and the the offensive production may not be there but you see his his upside as he moves the puck out of his own zone and that's you know something i really like from him and i think like i said the size the the ability to play with a, a physical brand could turn him into uh someone who can shut down top players and um, be a minute muncher uh, potentially in the NHL as like a, a second pair. So there's someone you probably, for all you listening, if you ever wanted like the rundown on Donovan, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been its own like separate YouTube video in itself. Like I might just literally I'm rip. a fan of him. <laughs> I'm, I'm just literally going to rip that whole segment and then make a YouTube video out of it on my channel. Like seriously. Well, he's he's also. Hey, you can go right ahead. I'm fine with that. <laughs> the the other thing, I, you know, last I'll say on him because I rambled on about him, but he's got great character, great work ethic. Um, he's got NHL bloodline, so he knows what it takes to be a pro. Um, and I think this is you know a kid that is going to be someone that could surprise people. Maybe not be a very high offensive productive uh, defenseman at the NHL level, but he's just going to be very sound and he could become, you know, one of those, I'm trying to find, like, I don't want to say Slavin uh, or Slavin that, on Carolina. That can make sense. But, but like one of those. Yeah, kind of. Jack yeah, like of all just, trades. Jack of all yeah, trades ex- defenseman who's just exactly. super clinical. Because like think, think with Slavin, what does he really do wrong? There's not a lot that guy does wrong. Yeah. And exactly. The the only thing with Slavin, I would say, is you don't see him putting up Eric Carlson or Brent Burns' offensive numbers. But he doesn't need to because no. he is arguably maybe the best shutdown defenseman at the NHL level. Not saying Donovan could become that, <laughs> but I'm saying he could be a lesser meaning of that in a second pair role where you know you can utilize him in matchups. And if you're a coach, you're you're feeling comfortable. A defensive defenseman that doesn't like doesn't like how should i put this screw you in the offensive end he could still play he can still he knows how to distribute the puck and i think that's an important yep. thing if you have a defensive defenseman who can move a puck that's something i personally look for because there's a lot mm-hmm. of guys in the like there were guys in the whl last year like mark bourgeois uh phew, trying to think some others there was always montana Anya Bucci, sean strange and kamloops there were shutdown mm-hmm. guys but when it came to the puck on their stick not much they could do and it was and it's the same thing like that's that's what I was saying. If you have a defensive defenseman that can move the puck, still be a little bit physical, and know how to get himself out of tight situations, I think that's a, just a great trait to have. And there's there's not enough of those defensemen in the NHL. And I mean, if there are, they don't get any credit. But they don't mm-hmm. need the credit. They're getting their four million dollar contract a year. They kind of sit 
they sit out of the spotlight a little bit, but they're still so useful. These are the guys that win you championships. And like that's yeah. the that's the thing I think. Like Donovan, if it comes down to like a late first, mid second, I think a team is getting something great. Because like I like I know how much you love Donovan. I don't think he's a guy that people are gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna take him fifteenth overall or anything like that. But someone between like twenty five to forty five in that range, if you're just looking for someone that you probably you, you're like you're almost ninety to one hundred percent sure he like he'll crack the roster in three four years. Like what, he's a safe pick. Where's he's a safe the, pick in my opinion? Where's the harm? And then obviously I'm gonna get out of the twenty twenty four or twenty twenty fours twenty twenty twos two thousand four born. Sorry, um, we're gonna get into the two thousand three borns because obviously like you were saying too. Um, a lot of those guys, they didn't get to play last year. The one thing that they mm-hmm. really did get to one thing they did get to play was either overseas or at the PBHH Invitational. And yeah. one of the guys that impressed me at that tournament was Tucker Robertson. And I was actually shocked he never got picked. And then it was funny because then there were guys like uh, J.R. Avon, Avon, mm-hmm. I think. And he, he never got drafted, but he went to Philly's training camp and got signed. He yeah. got signed. And, and everyone's like, wow, that's kind of cool. It's like good for him. But then, and then it's but then his teammate Tucker Robertson. Look at what he's doing right now in Peterborough. Mm-hmm. Just yesterday, sorry, yesterday, yeah, yesterday, it was a five point game. I checked before we started the podcast. They changed it to a six six point night. Five assists. Five, one goal, <laughs> five assists. They they added a secondary in there somewhere. Because he needed. Apparently, just like, he, it's not. It's not like he's a two point. He's averaging two points per game right now. No, like not exactly. Like he's he's. That guy is just putting up astronomical numbers. 34 points in 17. 10 in his last three. 10 in his last two if you want to take out that second game. Because I think it was a four-point game, 0.6 points. Let's just scratch that. (laughs) Scratch that one. Just imagine that game never existed. 10 points in a total of two games. Anything else you guys got to put on Tucker Robertson? Because that guy is just obviously just lighting the OHL on fire, leading the league. Well, I I think, you know... The, I have some opinions on Tucker Robertson. I really, you know, this is another kid I, I've uh, I've watched since uh, his under-16 um, OHL draft year playing for the Toronto Marlies organization, um, or Marlboros, eh, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he has always been someone who is going to bring 100% work ethic to every shift. Um, he doesn't really fear away from the dirty areas, and that's something you're going to like about him. And the fact that he's not a big kid. like I think he's only 5'10". He's definitely bulked up, and you can tell. Um, to interject, that, that's a really good thing. To interject, I think he's 5'10", 190. And I only know that because I literally was just checking his whole page there religiously. So, yeah, I think 190. It's like that little yeah, Logan, he, that Logan Stankman build. Short and stocky. <laughs> if he's up to 190 now, then he's definitely spent some time at the uh, at the gym bulking up, which is you know what he needs to exactly what he needed to do with his size. Um, what he's doing right now is amazing for the OHL. I'm more fascinated about what he's doing, um, not so much with the production. But I was saying, um, you know, before we we we, we press record, he uh, is up there for and maybe is first for the most faceoffs attempt in the OHL. He takes an average of maybe 25 to 30 faceoffs a game, and surprisingly, well, I guess it's 
unfair to say surprisingly, but he's his faceoff percentage I think is 57. So he's winning those draws. It's not like oh he just needs to be thrown out there because he's your top line center. He actually can win you important faceoffs in in the offensive zone or defensive zone. He gets used in all situations for Peterborough. Um, you know he's uh, he's always normally first out there on the penalty kill. He's out there on the power play, and his ice time is around 22 to 24 minutes a night. Um, I saw he played, apparently, um, his game again, uh, there was a game in October against the Kingston Frontenacs where he played 28 minutes. Um, I believe the game went to overtime, but still, I could be mistaken. Still. But the, yeah, <laughs> like he almost played half, he pretty much played half the game for a forward, and I thought that was, you know, unreal. So, and that's something that I'm not surprised about. This guy has always been a great work ethic type of player uh he can be relied upon you know and and then when i look at the offense for him he's producing but i i don't think he's going to be a great scorer at the next level because the way he's scoring his goals right now are very much in tight around the crease um which he's getting either banging tap-ins rebounds uh the occasional tip um and you know, at the end of the day, at the junior level, defensemen just miss those cues to tie up those players or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at the NHL level, they're going to tie them up better. They're, you're, go- you're not going to get that time and space to maybe – your stick is going to get tied up far more often, and you may not be able to get that rebound. So how else is, can he create the goals that he's scoring right now in the OHL is uh, kind of a question, of our, question mark for me. Um the other thing that will maybe hurt him at the next level is I don't think he's got that great break kind of acceleration sep- separation speed. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of got a sluggish first step. It's not the quickest. Um, he's just not really a fast skater unless he's turning on his edges, moving laterally, uh, playing an east-west game. Then you see the quickness, and then you can see him kind of separate himself a little bit in, in tight situations. But in a straight line way, I don't think he's got that next uh, or that, that acceleration gear for the next level uh, to be a threat in transition. But... You know, he's putting up the points. He's proving me wrong that he can do it offensively. I, I thought he would be around a point a game this year because of just all the minutes he's playing. But I didn't think he would be two points per game. So he's, he's proving me wrong there. I think he's got really good vision. I think he's got really good, you know, passing skills and, um, you know, the way he handles the puck uh, and make, can make plays in motion. Uh, I, I like all of that. But I, I think, you know, some of the, the goals he scored for me aren't like wowing me mm-hmm. and I, I think you know as as you would expect because i think this is a guy who um has the potential to maybe crack the top 100 um or he could you know be maybe a fifth sixth rounder and he's gonna have a lot of things to work on before he makes the makes the the nhl but i think the biggest thing he has going for him is his work ethic and his uh reliability factor in his game to be just kind of versatile and uh, play a play a checking role, which ultimately is going to be what he will play at the NHL level. He's going to be a bottom six forward, and I think he'll be able to 
uh, excel at that. A bottom six guy who could, you know, just put in the greasy ones if he gets that open yep. space. Like, that's the thing. Like, mm -hmm. that's all you're looking for, really. Like, I don't think many people, like, obviously you're going to have, like, the guys. Like, if you're a Peterborough fanboy, you're going to be like, yeah, this guy, next level thing. That's what everyone always says. But the one thing, like you said, like, that work ethic, and I think it's so admirable, especially as a plus one. You love seeing it. Stories like Brett Leeson out in Prince Albert a couple years ago. Just plus one stories, plus two stories. The work ethic is just, that's what sets them above everyone else. There's so many guys after they get, like, after their, after their draft year. They don't necessarily give up, but it's like, oh, well, I didn't make it. And then there's the yeah. guys There's the guys who go, I didn't make it. I'll just do the next two, three years here and have some fun. And then you got the guys where it's like, nope, I'm, <laughs> I'm stepping up my game. Uh, I'm going to go hit the gym a lot more this summer. I'm going to go work out, hit as many training sessions as I can. And obviously, Tucker Robertson is one of those guys. And I, I, yeah. I love seeing that in him. And then... I think we're going to do a little quick touch-up on Q. We don't have any QMJHL specialists, but I just I got to throw out there some stuff. Like, there's Tyler Peddle, the 05, who's playing with... I'm sorry, that's it's Drummondville, right, he's playing with? I think it's Drummondville. That is. Yeah, Drummondville. And I think I think almost everyone we're going to be talking about plays for Drummondville today. Uh, I think Cote plays for Drummondville. Uh, Lamoureux plays for Drummondville. I think those are yep. the three guys I had all, like, on my list. And Lamoureux... I've heard some. I've heard good. I've heard people that are really high on him. They're like, this guy can move the puck, shut down defensemen, big. And then I have some people say, he's just big. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's there's nothing with him. This is just me. Every time I see a defenseman like that, I hear some people just raving about him and some people just ripping on him. It just makes me think of Tyler Myers. And being a Canucks fan, as you can see, uh, Tyler Myers is such a love-hate guy. <laughs> you, I mean, I'd say the one thing with Tyler Myers is like, I like you, but are you worth six million dollars? No. <laughs> so that's that's the big iffy. Like the big guys, like Lamoureux is going to get drafted high. I'd say he's probably going to be ugh, easily a second round, solidified second round pick at least, simply because he's six seven. But he's one of those guys where it's like, if he was six two six one, no offense to him, would anyone care? Obviously, yeah. his game would be different, but would he stand out? I don't. I wouldn't know if he'd stand out as much, unlike guys I, like. I think the biggest thing with Lamoureux, um, and what I've seen from him and the little viewings I've had is that he's six seven, but he moves pretty well, um, okay. and that that's the biggest thing. Biggest thing. He is very lanky. I think last I checked, apparently he's like one ninety, so he's pretty much a toothpick. Um, that but, bowl build. <laughs> yeah. So he he's. Um, you know, he's that tall, lanky defenseman that can really disrupt and keep uh, forwards to the outside in the perimeter using his long reach. Um, but I think the biggest thing is that mobility factor be, being at 6'7 is going to to put him on NHL teams. Are. Yeah. And I think, you know, it would not shock me, like you said, to see him go in the second round because he's six seven, and a team's going to be like, "We're going to develop you. We know we have the right development staff to turn you into a second pairing or whatever." So it wouldn't surprise me to see that. But yeah, he'll be a guy that you know want to watch more of. And I, I, I've I've heard it too. There's a lot of inconsistent reports. But then I know we have um, one of our QMJHL scouts really likes him he really likes what he uh, uh you know 
sees from him and you know next time you know hopefully we can get him on and then he can share his views oh yeah we need that we we need the jory and donovan breakdown of maverick lamoro from him <laughs> seriously <laughs> we need like that five minute breakdown uh and then obviously i find it funny because then there's his his line mate who's almost the bizarro or line mate sorry teammate if he was a line mate it would be crazy basically the bizarro version of him justin cote at five foot six <laughs> like if you've ever actually seen the photo of Manute Bull and Muggsy Bogues, Manute Bull <laughs> seven foot seven, Muggsy Bogues five foot three, and they got three basketballs in between them. They yeah. should pro- they should do a photo like with these two like that because literally it's a foot and foot and a foot and an inch difference between these guys. But Cote, I think he's up to twenty points in like I think seventeen or eighteen games. And then once once again the inconsistencies. I have some people that have seen they've put this guy in their top fifty. They're like, oh, I don't care if he's small. The game's changing. Then there's some people. It's like, no, he's so small. Like this guy is smaller than Stankovan, and like, and everyone ripped on Stankovan last year for being five foot eight. This guy's five foot six, yeah. five foot six, and Justin Robodai last year as well, five foot seven. I think he got taken though, right? Justin Robodai. Yeah, got I taken. think Carolina took him. Yeah, Carolina, of course, always taking those guys, <laughs> taking those 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 high. High risk, high reward players, and it always pans out for them. But Kote is a—it's an interesting specimen because five foot six—that's a height we don't really see a lot of. The only other five foot six guy I can think of in the in the draft is Lane Hudson, and I know Joe Joe's going to have something to say about Lane Hudson probably in a couple minutes. We're going to get to that in a sec. But Kote—he's grown actually. He's five no. eight. Yeah, he's five eight. Out of boy. Okay, puberty's finally set in. It's doing its job. <laughs> okay, uh, but Kote, has anyone got something to say on Kote? Like, I haven't personally seen him. I just remember seeing the stats once, and I'm like, hey, where is this guy in our rankings, by the way? And then someone told me he's mm-hmm. on, he's like, he's, it's like, well, we could put him up here, but then we got to move these guys down, like, like right at the top 100, like, like right at the neck of 100. High risk. He's a high-risk pick because of that size, right? Yeah. I, I think the biggest... Whenever I scout a player with that size, um, you know, obviously mo- most of them are forwards. The biggest thing I look for is their their separation speed and transition. Are you going to be able to get through a check because you're faster and you don't have to um, worry about your, your, your size to get out-muscled through a check, whether it's in middle ice the outside lane um and that's something that um personally i i'm not i don't i can't comment on if cote has that or not so that's something you know you have to look for in a a player with that size is does he have the separation ability to slip by checks Uh, and that's something that um a player who didn't get drafted last year Jeremy Wilmer, I thought that's what he lacked. You know, the, the Jeremy Wilmer was one of the best stick handlers in in the draft last year. But I didn't think he had like he was really quick and agile. But his his acceleration and his foot speed in a in a straight line wasn't at a high enough level, I think, to warrant a draft pick. So, and I think that's why he didn't get drafted. That's yeah, it's unfortunate. Like I, I I'm one of those guys. I I want to see these guys make the NHL. I would love to see these guys get drafted. Like regardless of size. One in the one in the WHL, Matthew Ward. Uh he's a Kamloops boy. So you know like the the family grew up in Kamloops. Everyone loves them. Playing in Swift Current. 
he's he's doing a good job and at least you know he's one of those guys where i think he you know he's separating himself people are looking away from his size they're like no this kid's got the iq and i think he will get drafted i think he might go a bit later than everyone wants simply because he's five foot seven five foot eight and he's he's yeah you know rail thin but i think the game is changing but there is also a limit like kote like super small and like you say like they that skating has to be a factor their skating yep. has to be i'm not saying their skating has to be elite but their skating has to be above average <laughs> they, they, they need to have either you know like crazy agility some form of acceleration like you're saying they need that that next step and some of them just don't have it and like we say we'll learn with kote hopefully when we get our q scouts on here they can give something on kote as well but i think it's time to move on to the ushl joe <laughs> we got a lot of yep. stuff to talk about that uh what are we talking about here that um I think we're going to start off with Cooley because, yes. we, okay, the amount of turmoil that's been going on when we were making our rankings for the 2022 uh, uh, draft review for the top 100 rankings, everything was pretty clear. There, you know, we were all pretty agreeable with some uh-huh. little flip-flops here and there, uh, but then there was the Logan Cooley discussion. This, <laughs> this, uh, this, this had, I, I would say, a little bit of a, a little bit of a problem because there's some of us who haven't seen a lot of Cooley. And everybody's just like, oh, but but Savoy, Slavkovsky, Nemitz, Yurov, we love these guys so much. We don't want them to drop. And then they got, and then Joe here was like, no, Cooley is top 10. Yeah. This guy's certified top 10. And I think. Yeah, 100%. And I think down the line, rankings are going to change with Cooley, especially when more of us get our eyes on him, especially when it comes time like U18s in the spring. Like, I think Cooley is going to, like, the consensus is going to change. But obviously, what do you got to say about Cooley, right. Joe? Especially at that, so, uni- especially at that uh, uh, U18 Five Nations. Oh, yeah, he was absolutely insane. His two-way game is like Shane Wright, but he's not as lethal, I would say. Um, he wins a ton of face-offs. Like, his percentage in the Five Nations, I think it was around 60%. Oof, okay. And he, he wins key face-offs, too, so in his defensive end. So he gets control of the puck for his team. He can translate up the ice into offense. He's got a decent first step to him. He's not, like, blazing speed, but he can definitely skate with the best of them. His back checking, is just his overall defense responsibility is stellar, in my opinion. Nice. Okay, that's good. And he's a great playmaker. He's got a great shot. And overall, I think he's a solid number two center in the NHL someday. Oh, okay. That's nice to hear. And then who were his line mates? Because I, I didn't watch it. Was Snuggerud his line mate? Yeah, he was playing with McGrody and Snuggerud, so Oof. and that good, line good was luck. just scary. Yeah, good luck stopping them. McGrody was feasting on everything. Like he was using his body just on the attack on the fourth check. He was sniping goals. Him and Snuggerud were absolutely sniping lasers past goalies. Uh, McGrody was just an absolute beast. I mean, he's like a power forward with skill. He's one of a kind in this draft, I think, for the Americans. McGrody and then Snuggerud before this. U18 Five Nations. I looked at him as more of like a setup playmaker guy mm-hmm. for my first couple viewings, and then after this tournament, he added a layer to his game with the shooting. <laughs> and so he might creep up our rankings over the year and other people's rankings. So our viewers and listeners will have to check our draft rankings coming out soon to see where he lands, if he's in our top 50 or if he's just in our top 100. So. <laughs> Because I think the then, the really the, the impressive thing with Snuggy is like I'm gonna call him Snuggy. They call Quinn Hughes Huggy. I'm gonna call him Snuggy. Um, Snug like hat trick. He had two hat tricks in the tournament, and right. you know there was some you know 
lesser teams in there. The Czechs and the Swiss teams aren't as good. But he didn't perform against them, which is what I found impressive. He had his hat-tricks against Sweden and Finland. Like I was kind of surprised by that, to be honest with you. Because we know that the, the Americans were obviously the top team. Mm-hmm. And then Finland and Sweden obviously have more skill than the other nations involved. Mm-hmm. But it's actually um, a good thing for him because it shows that he can perform against the better teams. Exactly. Another forward was Frank Nazar. Mm-hmm. This guy is just pure dynamic skill. He's <laughs> unbelievable. He forechecks like a maniac. He dangles left and right. He toe drags all over the place. He's got a pr- like a pretty much underappreciated shot from like everything I've seen, like on Twitter and stuff. And his he's got a decent playmaking set to him too. But overall, his hands and skating are his best attributes. I've heard a lot of Mitch Marner comparisons to Nazar. I've seen that in a couple of YouTube comments. Like, I think, like, and, like, I only say that when I get, like, a couple of accounts of that. So I've had, like, two or three people, they always say Marner. I don't know if it's to the same extent, but they just, they love saying Marner. And I think it has to do with that skating and stick handling. Yeah, it's definitely that. I could see him, like, a lesser Marner, because I don't think he's anywhere close, like, to level Marner. <laughs> but um, definitely, there's definitely similarities to his game. Like, mm-hmm. if I think of Logan Cooley, like, we brought up Shane Wright with Patrice Bergeron and Anse Kopitar. I think of Ryan O'Reilly. That's a good the one. The guy who wins a ton of face-offs. Because I remember he was here with the Sabres, and he was always out face-off, face-off, face-off when you needed him. And he ended up winning them. They didn't do any winning here, though, the Sabres. <laughs> but <laughs> no, that's, that's a, in the past. That's a topic for another day. <laughs> yep. But, um, yeah, I mean, for me, the top American forward is gonna be Cooley just because he has that two-way game down mm-hmm. with the skill no that's and that's then awesome for the defenseman I go back and forth with Chesley and Shame like Seamus Casey mm-hmm. because Casey's his, his offense is just absurd that and Casey just reminds me of Hughes I have said he's the right-handed yep. Quinn Hughes for at least a year now like when it comes down to everything, he used he doesn't wear number forty three anymore. But I had this like it's kind of like when people uh, are trying to like resemble like Abraham Lincoln with John F Kennedy. The amount of similarities you can find with those guys is absurd. Other than the handedness, both are born in Orlando, Florida. Both wear number forty three. Both are absolutely just insane with the stick handling, the toe drags, um, their playmaking, and all this stuff. Uh, I think the only thing that I then this is something I think Seamus Casey has on him is his shot. I actually really like Seamus Casey's shot. He's got a pretty good one timer. Something that Quinn Hughes never developed until he was in his second season. Like, and I can I can say that yeah. like full on. But like Quinn like Quinn Hughes has a muffin. His wrist shot is still a muffin. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's 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 gotten more accurate, but it is it is it is as soft as ten ply toilet paper. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty bad, but, um, I don't see that with Casey. I, I love Casey's shot. I think he's I, like his shot, like off the, off, how do I say it's off this, off the dangle, like off of that. Yeah, toe it's drag. like a toe drag wrister. Yeah. No, the amount of goals when I was making the video for Seamus Casey, that he does that toe drag. And then right as he's done with the toe drag, it just follow throughs and releases it. Yep. Just crazy. Love that kid so much. Yeah. yeah he had, uh, nine shots this tournament. Which is very impressive. That's pretty good, especially yeah. on a team that's got such a like so many forwards to choose from. Getting some shots on the point, impressive. I, I love. He's to basically see it. like a fourth forward on the ice for USA. It's <laughs> ridiculous. 
Oh. Dude, it wasn't even uh, on their top power play unit. At least what it looked like. It was Lane Hudson quarterbacks their top power play unit. Right. Casey Ooh. was on the second one. Um, I mean, let's be honest, it's still as deadly. I think they have. Uh, who's on that? N- Nazar, I think, is on that. Nazar. Uh, yeah. Is Howard on the second unit? How- or is Howard, Howard's I believe, on was first? on the second unit. Yeah. Nazar, and then I think they kept Cooley with McGordy. Yeah. On the yeah. first unit. Just scared. That 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 whole team is starting to like really challenge that 2019 team. Like I think they'll win the U18s. Yeah, yeah it, it'll be close because well, and here's the thing: the U18s, they're not gonna. The Canada's not gonna have the same team as they did last year. Never like, can. We'll, we'll, yeah. We never will. I don't think we'll ever see a team like that from Canada in the U18s again. If they, because what was that? That was I think Canada's first gold medal in that tournament since 2013 or something. But it's yeah, because it's they were be- able to get everyone. Yeah, and they they were still missing, and they were still missing Q guys. They could have had like Laroe on that team, but that's another story. I think we're done with North America. Honestly, we covered a swack load of North American guys. It's time to go to Europe, where the big drama, obviously, is Finland. There's so much drama going on in Finland right now because obviously, Joachim Kemmel. How many people have? How many people could say they expected this from Joachim Kemmel? I don't. I don't think many can. I was expecting Kemmel to be, you know, good at the men's level. I wasn't expecting him to be, what is it, 12 goals, 16 games. <laughs> he was leading the league in goals before he got injured. He still may be leading the league in goals, for all I know. He was, <laughs> I think he was one of the league leaders in shots. 83 shots. 5.2 leading in shots. points at one time. Leading in yeah. points. Yeah. Before, not even, just before the injury. Yeah. Not even 18 yet. Like, like, and then there's Brad Lambert. I think like what Kemmel's doing right now is what everyone thought Brad Lambert would be doing. Not with the goals, but just the volume of production. I was thinking I was thinking Lambert's gonna be like, you know, a top ten guy in the Liga this year. And then look what happens. The guy is getting frustrated. It's just there's not a lot of puck luck with him. But the one thing with Brad Lambert I gotta say is I hope they do, I hope people don't atu ratu him. There's no way Brad Lambert falls to fifty two in the draft. Like <laughs> Not a ch- I hope not. Like, like at least, cause at least the thing that separates him, Atu Ratu, obviously a sick hockey player, but he does not have the tangibles that a guy like Brad Lambert has. That skating is just next level. Like, it's so elite. Like, He's like a Mitch Barner, in my opinion, his skating. Yeah. The one player that I hear a lot is Barzell. I hear a lot of Barzell talks with Lambert, and I've always been saying, I think he's better than Barzell. See, I always <laughs> correlate Savoy with Barzell just to go back to Savoy but I could see I don't know Lambert I mean he's got the top five potential but I don't know I think he might need a change of scenery to be honest which is sad because but, yeah he's yeah. done change, change of scenery very much yeah <laughs> during his junior career so I don't know I like think it's... he he's he should just um play hockey foc- yeah yeah <laughs> focus on focus on getting better where he is at the moment because at least, like, because he's starting to show the emotion. Obviously, I'm going to bring up that clip. I'm not going to, like, completely, like, crap on the du- like on the dude for doing this. Obviously, like, everyone has emotions. Like, stuff happens. But when he flipped off the bench in a men's league game, wh- like, obviously you're going to be frustrated. I- I'd be mad, too. Like, it's the first shift of the game. He takes that hit. Would I call it a dirty hit? Not necessarily. Unnecessary. Maybe a little bit. It was a bit overforced i'll play the clip of the hit and everything so you guys can see on the video on the video version of the podcast here but like it doesn't you don't need to go to the bench take off your glove 
and just flip off the bench. That's not necessary, and that just and you know like and it kind of bugs me because I'm pretty sure he knows there are scouts in the building. This is being recorded. This isn't just a U15 game. This isn't a minor midget game, <laughs> like you know in the middle of nowhere. People are watching, so it doesn't look good. So obviously he got tossed from that game, and I think there was a lot you know fair to criticism. That doesn't look good. I'm not saying this is something that drops you like to the second round. Obviously your hockey talent has to speak for itself. But the character thing, you know, with all the team changes, then you do this, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good at all. It just may take you, like, those teams that are, like, looking for someone to build around, you may not want to pick them up. Simply because, it's like, well, are we going to bring this guy into our locker room? And now it's like, he's, is he going to throw everything in the in the washer? Like, everything we built up is just going to be right messed up. It's like putting a like a red shirt in like the you know in the in the whites when you're doing the laundry. He's gonna <laughs> is he gonna mess everything up? Uh, I remember hearing the rumors about him coming to Saskatoon in the WHL, which I want to see really bad. <laughs> as 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 bad as Miko that... doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you. I mean, you guys got to see some of our some of our players last year from the CHL that came over. Not a ton. Not in Finland. No. No. I think Carson Lambos was the only one you guys yeah, got to see, yeah. but then he got hurt. He got hurt. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. but then, you know, like Brad Lambert, like just, yeah, I think, I think it eventually has to get going for him. I was happy at least to see in a U20 international game, he did stick up for himself. You can tell he's getting aggravated, but this time he stepped up for himself. I remember when I was on elite prospects, I was look. I had like the player tracker and I saw Brad Lambert, I saw zero points and then I saw 25 penalty minutes again. And I was like, Oh no. What did what did he do this time? I swear to God, if he flipped off another bench, if he bit someone, like like yeah. please no. And then, but then I went and searched for the clip. Got into a fight. He was standing up for himself. He was going hard to the net, or I'm sorry, yeah, I think he was going hard to the net. Someone gave him a little push in the back of the head. He turns around, just starts feeding this guy on the checks. Just starts. Fe- I was like, you know what? I'm not a huge fighting guy. But he's standing up for himself, and I think that says something. He's frustrated. He wants to get he wants to get going again. Like he cares about this. He's not just one of those guys. He has he doesn't care. He's yeah. obviously. Well, uh-huh. I, I'm just gonna interject, and I also want um, I want to hear what Miko has to say here because I, I it seems like his point totals are turning around a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at least he's uh, <clears throat> producing a little bit more. So. What's it looking like out there in Finland, Miko? Yeah, um, what I've been impressed with um, uh, with with Lambert at the moment that you know um, you could expect him to uh, be a bit frustrated that Kemel is doing so so well um, while he's underperforming big time. But um, in a recent interview, he was really praising um, praising Gemmel highly, and uh, I was really that I, I think that was a good sign um, of him having uh, the right kind of attitude. And um, but right now, I think um, I haven't seen his recent games, um, unfortunately. But um, um, prior to those, um, yeah, he's been. He's been good at transition, but uh, when he's on in the offensive zone, he's just been clueless, clu- clueless basically. So uh, um, he's been first. He's been you know in the first games he got quite a lot of mistakes, um, and uh, then 
the story that I kind of created in my mind was that um, he got kind of got um, got stick from from the coaches coaching staff fr mm -hmm. from those mistakes and uh, then uh, he wants to be uh, less selfish and then he kind of did some of those blind passes just for the sake of it and mm -hmm. uh, he just he just was thinking you know too much mm -hmm. that's what, what I saw as his um, major major flaw mm -hmm. I feel like he's just gripping the stick too tight like yeah, he's, yeah you know he, he's maybe trying to be too pretty like uh, you know I you know you see it at times with you know someone like Mitch Marner here out in Toronto like when he was uh, struggling to start the season um, Marner was just trying to do too much and with Lambert's case I think it's a lot of the same right now uh, over in Finland it's just like you have all the talent you can just keep it simple and you're going to be able to find ways to to you know create a chance whether it's in transition or in the offensive zone but I think he's just thinking and trying too hard in the offensive zone like like you're saying Miko yeah, and I remember last season uh, uh, in the uh, under twenties, he was bad for the first first few games. But then he, during the tournament, he kind of uh, learned some lessons from from uh, team game, and uh, um, he kind of grew uh, a few inches in that tournament. Um, so that's why I'm kind of surprised to see how long mm. this. Drought is going going on with him, but um, he's battled through the, through that kind of things before. So uh, we're still hopeful that he's gonna get through it. But right now, of, of obviously, Kemel uh, is is flying past him. And, and this oh yeah, is, this is stuff I want to say with Kemel just before we move off of Finland. Um, I, I this was a I was curious because obviously, uh, I think JYP was on a little bit of a skid. And then Kemmel got hurt. I think they lost four or five games in a row. Since Kemmel's been gone, they've lost their last five. Their production has gone way down. Their power play, 0 for 20. 0 for 20 on the power play without Kemmel. And I think Is that was, bad? That's, <laughs> I, 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 think that's, I think that's a bit rough. I mean, it's, it's nothing like Vancouver over here. But um, 0 for 20... In those five games, like they're barely getting any shots, uh, and and this is the thing in the in the four games where they did lose prior to Kemmel getting hurt, he had three power play goals. I'm just I'm just pointing it out. Like obviously he's a main contributor on the power play, and like what he's doing is just he's so clinical. He's so crucial now, and I think that's really starting to come through. And like in this drought that they're they're having, I remember at the beginning of the season, I was like, "Oh, these stats are just inflated." Because I was looking at the goals he was getting, they're kind of just uh, throw them on net, bit of a screens, lucky bounce. But then as the season progressed, like those goals, those stats, they got him so much confidence. Because then the next thing I know, he's like hitting these crazy one timers. He's jumping up over the blue line and having a shot of his own. I was like, "Okay, maybe this kid really is something." <laughs> yeah, but you know he's he's been doing I think fourteen or fifteen percent, you know, shooting percent. Yeah, and, I think uh, I have fourteen point five percent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, <laughs> we'll so, round it up uh, to fifteen to sound good. Yeah, so um, yeah, and uh, what I've been very impressed with 
uh, with uh, you know on camel. Um, I'm I'm doing the North American pronunciation there, but yeah, Kemel. Uh, so um, okay. so Kemel. Okay, just so I yeah, know Kemel, for the future. Yeah, that, that, that is the right one. <laughs> so um, he's been able to be the be the guy who just you know takes the team on, on his shoulders and turns those um, close games to to Ws. So. Um, it's very rare to see uh, from a 17-year-old, you know, to do that you know, on a professional level. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, that's just amazing. And sometimes th those are, aren't even close games. They've been like 3 nothing in the third period and he's just taken control. Like, it's just, it's crazy. I think what I'm excited for, and this is for Lambert as well, come the u20s i've heard there's rumors that lambert may not even make the team kind of like yeah he was in the, he was in the in the challenger uh team um before gamela's injury okay so yeah, yeah they, so they slotted him in i think they slotted him in with uh Kamel's, uh injury right and yeah, yeah so he you know i i mean you know he, like i hope he said, makes a team kai yeah. you don't want to to uh, a to Ratu uh, situation on our hands, but he didn't make the team either last year at the World Juniors uh, in his draft year, and Lambert's following that path. I think he'll still make it, even yeah. if he's an extra forward. I want to quickly, I know we, we've been rambling on a lot, but the player out in Finland that I really like, and I think Miku, uh, Miku you're, a, you're a fan of him as well, Yanni Neiman. I'm probably yeah. not saying the yeah. right pronunciation. Yeah, I, I really like him. At the Holinka Gretzky tournament, I, he, he caught my eye right away. Just the big power size, but also moves really well for his size. I really like that. Um, and then at the U18 uh, Five Nations tournament recently, you know, I thought he was good. I thought he, you know, he was kind of a little average, but I know he's playing, um, you know, he, he's not playing in the U20 division yeah, right now out in Finland. Yeah, he's playing the Finnish second tier. Yeah, so, and, you know, I think you, you're a fan of him. Do you think he, like, where do you really, I know people will find out where we have him in our yeah. rankings yeah. Uh, when they come out. But do you think there's any potential for him to creep into first round consideration? Yeah, or do so. you see him as maybe a second round? I think he's going to be that kind of a, you know, first, second round, you know, borderline player. Mm hmm. He's very similar to uh, Robi Järventie, who got drafted 36th overall, overall, I think. The Sens guy, right? Yeah, yeah the Sens yeah. guy. And um, yeah, I think he's going to be the same, similar kind of guy. And um, mm -hmm. I could I could really see his um, career progression, progression to uh, be very similar to, to Järventie's. And, uh, Actually, Robbie Arventi also played his draft year in, in Mestis, the Finnish second tier. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Very they beautiful. Are, beautiful, yeah. similar pass. And, they, and think, actually, they, they were also in the... Robbie Arventi also played in, you know, in Ilves organization. You know, the same organization in, you know... Following. They're following yeah. similar paths. Why is everyone... <laughs> Literally. Why does everyone but Kemel, like, follow the same path? Lambert's following the Ratu path. The only thing he's not doing <laughs> is playing for Karpats or Carpets. I don't... <laughs> we call it Carpet. Carpet, yeah. <laughs> okay. Carpet is how Olu Carpet, whatever. <laughs> but um, I think they're going to be a fun team to watch at the U20s at Edmonton this year. That's someone I'm definitely going to be watching a lot. Um, like, I think the U20s, I think Slovakia is going to be lovely at the U20s this year. 
I want to yeah, see Dvorsky yeah. at that U20 level. Sure. I, <laughs> I want it. I'm <laughs> not going to. It's going to be interesting. Um, if I, It's going to be a jump. Like, if you remember Slavkovsky at the U20s last year, he, you could tell he had his flashes, but he just, it wasn't there. It, it, yeah, he wasn't there yeah. quite. But now it's I think Slovakia, I'm not saying they're going to compete for a medal this year. If anything, they compete for a medal next year. Yeah. Like 2023 in Russia. Uh, That's bold. That is very bold. Hey, and they won a they won not... a bronze in 2015. I know there's going to be other know, good teams, but it happens. Man, <laughs> I mean, they they like. I'm, oh, yeah. that's, that's I'm not, I, I would I'm love not. to see it. For the record, I'd love to see it. I mean, the the talent coming out in Slovakia right now is is so you know high end, and it's something I I haven't really seen. And obviously, you have Nemec, uh, Mesar, Slavkovsky. Dvorsky, like those four big names are like they look like potential top top guys that yeah. are going to make an impact uh-huh. at the pro level. Top right six, now. top four, for like sure. seriously. And I I know that I know the one the other one we had the cool we had the Cooley argument for top ten, and then we had the Nemitz Yidichek conversation. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, that's a tough one because I, I I'm just gonna say my thing. I'm on I'm on Team Nemitz. I love I just. I think that's just because of my whole Slovakian thing. I just I I fell in love with them at the Holinka. But Nemitz is seriously something else. I love what that guy brings to the table. He's more dynamic than Yerichek. I think Yerichek has a better two-way game, a better two-way understanding. He's got the physical edge over him. But when it comes to just the NHL style, what brings in tickets, especially nowadays, I just see a lot more in Nemitz. His stick handling, his IQ, his positional awareness is just off the charts. The only thing he really doesn't have is a shot. His shot, in my opinion, is brutal. Um. <laughs> I think I I, th- I also see uh, his defensive positioning um, lacking a little bit. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, it's nowhere near where it could be, and that's where Juracek has it. I yeah. think you're, and Juracek's also playing in a better league. I think the Czech league has a bit of a is a bit of an edge over Slovakia. Yeah, sure. So t- it's so right. tough, you know, um, when you're you're watching some of these players uh, that are playing like out in the Slovakian men's league, or they're playing out in the 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 Dell League in Germany, mm-hmm. you know, like how Stutzel, uh, Tim Stutzel did uh, in his draft year, because I don't want to discredit those leagues by no. any means, but they're not the Finnish top league. No. They're not the Swedish top league. No. Um, it's it, it's different. It's different over there. So how the quality of the competition is definitely such a, a tough uh conversation because we can say oh yeah they're playing out against men over in slovakia but it's like how well is that yeah yeah how well is that competition i again i don't mean to discredit those leagues and i love seeing whenever i see you know like what nemich is doing playing against men uh in his second year now it's awesome that's great to see it shows his composure it shows his poise and maturity in his game to be trusted playing in that league but could he be doing that in the SHL or uh, the Liga? And that, uh, you know, and that always it's, that's it's, a question. It's 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 always big to talk about. I, I have a friend who's not huge into prospects, but like I, I'll tell him about these players every once in a while. And I think I brought up Nemitz once, and he's like, "Oh, where's he playing?" I'm like, "Well, he plays in the men's Slovakian league." And he's like, "Where would you rank that amongst European leagues?" And I said, "Well, there's the SHL, there's the Liga, there's the Dell, there's Czech." Then there's Slovakia, and then he's like, "Well, he's like that's nothing." Then he, he's just like he's just yeah. playing, he, for all we know he could be playing against a bunch of thirty year olds who have second jobs as a you know a manager somewhere. 
Like, yeah. I don't, so it's, and then I was like, you know, I mean, you're kind of right, but I just, yeah, I, I, I love this, the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, but I also, I have to say that, you know, um, Slovakia, actually, it's more about the Finnish league, might be, a, you know, it's it's waning a little bit because uh, um, the money is, of course, tight and as, as, it, is, as it is in, in almost everywhere, and um, there are, you know, to put it, put it into concrete numbers i think you know um a third liner in in liga um he will take you know borderline second third liner in liga he would rather go to Slova slovakia for for a better money really so, yeah yeah so there, there are some really you know good good players in slovakia as well but of course the uh um Quality, of course, and the, the you know, for example, the uh, bottom two lines, for example, are way, way, way uh, worse in Slovakia than they are in in Finland. Yeah. But but yeah. for example, um, also to the Czech league, I, for example, uh, one of I think he was Goko's uh, uh, top go uh, top point scorer last season. He went to Czech extra league. Mm -hmm. straight out so so uh, it shows that um the uh those those leagues are uh kind of closing in yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. at, at least at least um uh, the finnish liga but yeah finnish liga obviously it's um it's more about the playing style i think you know that because i think in finland the, the game is still as close as it, as it gets uh, to to north american hockey yeah. you know in in europe and then the junior I feel leagues. Like, oh, oh I was just going to say, sorry. I was just going to say, like, I feel like the Finnish league, the games are a lot closer from what I see. And I think that's why, you know, um, more competitive. See, yeah. And way more like team play, kind of. Not so much flash I, you would see from uh, other leagues. Mm -hmm. What I was going to say is, like, and here's just like the more con like comparisons. I've heard some people like when you see like for example Switzerland they they don't have the best especially like their junior program like I've been tasked with watching a few of their games uh, I've been busy and like video is very low quality from over there so sometimes watching those games is a pain and I don't know who's <laughs> who so I'm just like I'll be watching it for like 10 minutes I'm like I I don't know what's going on <laughs> like and it's it's one of those robotic cameras too, and like they, they can't follow the play like a human. And I'm just ah, whatever. This <laughs> maybe one day, but like I've heard. But to get to the point, I've heard some people say like the U17 like the U17 league in Switzerland is no better than a house league in Canada. I don't think that's hundred percent true, but I wouldn't be shocked if the competition is like maybe tier four, tier three. Yeah, th yeah there is some. A truth to that I think because you know the um, gap between uh, Swiss uh, junior leagues and professional leagues is is huge that is a that is a big problem there in development and uh, about you know um, I would really like to see more of their players to go abroad uh, mm -hmm. to uh, because because I feel just, like they yeah, hit a, because, because they hit a wall yeah, they hit a, yeah, and they hit a wall because the development only lets them go so far. That's when, like, I'm happy teams like Ottawa picked out guys like Marco Rossi, Halifax yeah. picked out Nico Hiche, yeah. got them out of there. Ehlers yeah, was sure. another one who was in there. Sure. Uh, there's one in there right now. It's the only guy I really like 
there's two guys I like. There's Tommaso De Luca, but I just think I really like him because he's Italian and it's just it's cool. Uh, and then there's Kimo Gruber, who's a 2023 yeah. guy. I like him. I like him a lot, and I I really hope a team this year really is like come come to the CHL, come up to Finland, come up yeah. to please get yeah. me out, like get him out of there, give him some real competition because I see I mean, like it's 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 very. It's very um, cliche. Uh, I've heard this like because I've gone through HF boards. Uh, calling any Swiss center uh, the next Nico Hiche, like they play like Nico Hiche, uh, and I'm like, well, apparently that's a big cliche. But I really see a Nico Hiche in this guy. I'm not saying he's a first overall talent or anything, but it's just a good style. Um, yeah, Switzerland. Like I said, like it almost makes me wish I was born in Switzerland because then I could feel like I was a big shot playing U17. <laughs> and actually have an elite prospects profile. Now I just look at my beer league stats. We actually have st- we have an actual like stats page for our beer league, and I just look at it. I'm like, yeah, look at that. I feel so big. <laughs> but whatever, whatever. I think I think yeah. If there's anything else I wanted to really touch on, it would have been a little bit of 2024s. Uh, there's one guy in Finland. I know. I think Miko actually shared the video of Aaron. Oh, that kid is in yeah. So- yeah, are you? Oh my god, that if if there was any time for a Finnish guy to go first overall, possibly for the first time ever, I think Aaron Kiviharju could be one of those guys. Yeah, or he's I've just, been saying that for a long time. Yeah, like, and I don't know if I I really hope it just doesn't turn out to be one of the abundance of second overall picks they've ever had. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I really like Aaron Kiviharju. If I'm yeah, saying it right. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's pretty clo- close. Uh, you gotta just roll the R a little bit. Uh, oh, it's I'm Aaron. not good at that. Yeah, <laughs> Aaron, give me you. Yeah, but um, um, he's very smooth skater. He's it's it's like uh, warm butter, you know. It's it's <laughs> you know um, he's that Nicoletti kind of a guy, I think. Um, All right. Uh, and uh, he can just bring the puck up, puck up, you know, with ease. It's you know, in in the power play, you can just drop the puck, puck to him. He'll take it to the offensive zone. Nobody can touch the puck. You know, nobody's <laughs> getting even near it. It's, like, I, it's amazing. I, I think I saw even in U twenty because I have him on the tracker as yeah, well. Yeah. He's playing like he's playing like 24, 25 minutes yeah, in U twenty yeah, yeah. a night. Like I don't care. I don't care if he's a defenseman. He's he's. I think he's still fifteen, or is he sixteen yeah, now? He he's at two thousand and six. Yeah, so yeah. he's fifteen. Like holy, he he's still playing. He's playing 20, 25. I saw twenty-eight minutes once. And uh, and he's he missed most of last season. He he played only four games, I think, last season. Just crazy. Beca- because of injury. And uh, he just he he played those four games in under eighteen, and then he just moved straight to under twenties to play twenty-four ga- twenty-four <laughs> minutes a game. And it's, why not? Yeah, why not? It's <laughs> of course he's still lacking the uh, physical at- attributes to go to go to Liga, I think. Yeah. I, I, he might get a, a game or two there just for the sake of it, but um, he's not ready yet physically. But mm-hmm. skill-wise, he can he can do that. Um, he's he's gonna be a elite skater in in league as well. He's gonna be elite puck carrier in league as well. But mm-hmm. you know, other things, of course, he's lacking still for league level. But he's gonna be great if he just continues to to do that <laughs> <laughs> no i'm ex- i'm excited for the 2024 draft there's a lot of guys there's a uh, cole eisman adam jeko berkeley Catton, emil Vinny is that goalie in finland who is apparently really good but i think at this point i think it's it's safe to say we're gonna wrap it up guys thank you for tuning in uh 
tons of info obviously we're gonna probably think i think we're gonna do our next episode around more so the world juniors after the world juniors because obviously after that rankings go everywhere at that point because then you get to see the guys who didn't make the teams who are now on their on a higher role in their junior roster they start going off you got guys who go off in the world juniors you got guys who taper off at the world juniors it's gonna be pandemonium <laughs> Come. Wait, wait until yeah. potentially logan cooley plays like matthew Beneers oh, for team weird. usa and then i feel like we'll all have to you know owe joe an apology and be like hey i think you're <laughs> you're you're pretty right on this kid and uh <laughs> Uh, you know, I think we're all kind of like, you know, s- so much focused on other players. But I-, I mean, I love Logan Cooley and seeing him at the U18 Five Nations really changed my opinion on him. But like like you said, Kai, like that is a big, big, you know, that that could happen, right? Something. Logan Cooley could go off at the World Juniors and then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, he's got to be a top five pick now. Yeah. Because yeah, he's playing. going to be a lot of eyes on that tournament. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what all my time is off. Yeah. I'm going to be spending <laughs> watching three, four hockey games a day. That's the it's, best like, time of the year. I usually have a tough time waking up in the morning, uh, but I'm telling you, even when it, like, I think when it was played in the Czech Republic uh, a couple years ago, waking up at 4 a.m. every morning, going shovel snow during intermissions, I was having the, that was like the peak of my life. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, though, everyone, fall rankings coming out real soon. They may even be tied in with the podcast. I'm not quite sure, but then also the 2022 draft review. With the draft pro, yeah. 2022 draft pro draft review uh, is going to be coming out also really soon. Bunch of articles, top 100 rankings, profiles on each of those top 100 guys. It's a great read for the winter if you want to pick it up. It's on. It's going to be on Amazon. It's going to be uh, on digital. Seriously, like if, if it's packed to the brim with info, <laughs> you, you you don't want to you don't want to miss it. You don't want to lose out on it. It's a good deal. It's a great thing. You're getting you know tons of info. That's all I got to say. So. Anyways, thank you for tuning into the podcast this time around. My name is Kai Fahrenholtz. We had Jared Brown, Joe Peters, and Miko Sarla. Hope you all enjoyed. And anyways, have a good one. See ya.